Well, ahoy there, dad and lovely listeners, and welcome to a brand new spooktacular episode of your favorite horror movie podcast and all this land and other lands beyond. Why? It's a very, (laughs) it's a very special October episode of Dead and Lovely here with the host with the most. It's me, your good buddy, Uncle Ben. And me, Hollywood Steve. Oh, and we're the hosts with the most, and on today's episode, we're going to be talking about, oh, Bobby Zed's remake of the Alley Wayne, aren't we? We isn't we! <laughs> we'll be getting to the movie review portion only after we shoot the shit, hang out, crack ourselves up in a cold beer, and all the other cool stuff that we like to do every week here on Dead and Lovely. If you want to get right to the movie, though, you don't want to hang out with us, you're cooler than us or something, whatever, whatever. your problem is. Makes sense. <laughs> well, fine. There's a timestamp for you in the podcast description you can go right to, but man, I just want to shoot the shit and talk about all of the wonderful, spectacular Halloween flicks that we've been watching this yeah. week. What have you been up to this week, Steve? You Man, been doing anything? I have been anything? deeply immersed in horror all week. It's been oh great. Oh, my God. I, uh, I just, uh, the day that we recorded last week, afterwards, I watched the Child's Play remake. That I came want to hear your thoughts just on this. Last yeah. year. Uh, shouldn't be a Child's Play movie. Right. Then it would be a better movie. I think that you're right, because like once it reaches that point towards the end of the movie where they're like, oh yeah, we got to have the doll uh, kill people and this be a child's play movie, right. it really goes downhill. But like, I really liked all the stuff early in the movie about like, yeah, kids are dependent on technology to be their friends. Their parents are too busy. Like, right. I actually thought all that was pretty cool. Yep, it would have been fine. I don't understand why um, murderous Alexa got turned into unpleasant to look at doll and fucking over <laughs> the creator of a franchise. Like, why yeah. do that? Why do that? I don't know. And why you did Chucky just look not. like Steve Buscemi? Oh, God. He was hard <laughs> to look at. I, yeah. I believe you might be the only person in the world who says Steve Buscemi. Yeah? Yep. Well, is <laughs> it supposed be. to be something else? I say Buscemi. Buscemi? I've heard him be asked about it. But I don't remember his answer because so many people say it differently. Oh, you don't remember his answer because this is another aspect of the Mandela effect. Ooh. Oh, shit. He's two different people <laughs> who merged from different yeah. <laughs> timelines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that Child's Play movie wasn't all that bad except for when it had to be Child's Play. That's, uh, yeah, that was, it was like it didn't ever need to become Child's Play. Mm. And so, like, yeah, he could have just been murderous Alexa and uh, still uh, actually would have been better because it would have been like, oh, this is creative. I haven't seen murderous Alexa yet. Well, what is your status with that Aubrey Plaza and your lunch money? Are you giving her your lunch money? Are you hanging on to it? (laughs) I mean, Aubrey Plaza can have my lunch money, I guess. Yeah. 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 She's getting my lunch money. Yeah. Yeah, She's great. I I love Aubrey Plaza. But again, she, you know, could have just been a mom in a murderous Alexa movie. Didn't have to be child's play. It, uh, It really wasn't helped at all by the basically... The difference would be removing the name Chucky and the Chucky avatar. Just make it something different. And nobody would have been like, this is just child's play. Like, (laughs) (laughs) nobody would have been mad about it. Nobody would have been like, you're just ripping off child's play. They would have been like, oh, okay, cool. Interesting. Either I like this or I don't. Whatever. 
this is sort of like a child's play for the modern day, they could yeah. have said. Yeah. Wow. This is updated. I like it. Yeah, it, <laughs> that would have been better if they had just done their own thing. But whatever. It's it, it, As a movie, though, I didn't hate it. It was fine. That's about how I felt about it, yeah. And I thought Mark Hamill as Chucky was was good. I thought it was fine. Well, yeah, absolutely. He's Mark Hamill. I mean, that, that you know, the, the cast was never really in question. The only thing throughout for me was just, eh, why is this child's play? And at the end, it was like, it would have been better if it wasn't. So it's fine, though. I also watched a movie called Scare Me, which I, I've seen posted up on, on Shudder for about a week, and it had IA Cash right there on the cover, and I love me some IA Cash, so mm. I, I gave it a watch and really enjoyed it. Really? Yeah. It is, it's the, the I think there are four actors in it total. It's most of the time just two of them in a cabin. Oh, I like uh, that already. It's, it is a great slow burn that really, the, the ending was very creepy. Extreme. Damn. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely interested now, now that you told me that stuff about it. Like, I saw the poster for it and stuff, and it's got, you know, all these bright colors and this guy on it that kind of looks like Father Vic, like the, the Megadeth mascot with his skull face and stuff. And I was like, it looks like a well, 80s throwback <laughs> monster movie or something. That is, uh, okay, so... <laughs> Fun little fact, Ben. The Scare Me poster that I posted on Instagram was for another movie called Scare Me, also from 2020. No way. Yeah. So that is not the poster for Scare Me. It is the poster for Scare Me. Oh, so I was looking at Scare Me when I should have been looking at Scare Me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Huh. Yeah, I don't know how that (laughs) happens. I don't know how that happens, but there is also, and I wonder about this, there is also a thread running throughout Scare Me, the one I watched, about other people stealing creative work. So, I don't know if that's just, that's just like, was a part of the movie the whole time, or if they were making the movie, then they heard somebody else was doing Scare Me, and they were like, what the fuck? That's our thing. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> That's awesome. It's a good title. I understand. Like, I understand maybe just uh, two people came up with it independently, but whatever. Right on. Now, one that you started watching this week that I'm really curious to hear about, because I've not checked it out yet, nor do I really know anybody else that has, is that new Haunting series. It's on the Netflix. Oh, yeah. Haunting of uh, Bly Manor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Emily and I have gotten through... I think the first six episodes, and uh, I'm I really want to know where it's going. I want to see the end. I'm I'm interested. It's definitely got me hooked. Uh, so I can't make a full judgment on it because I haven't ma- seen the season entirely. But it it swerved on me, Ben. Mm, doing some swerving, huh? Doing some swerving. You know how that Mike Flanagan, he, he's always got him uh, uh, a pretty brunette. In fact, several usually. So our protagonist in this is a blonde. Impossible. What? And Carla Gugino's in it, but she's got gray hair. I don't know what's happening, Ben. Mm. I think he recognized that everybody else was recognizing that he was putting pretty brunettes in his movies and thought we were critiquing him but oh, mike okay. if you're listening we were we were we were uh, applauding it <laughs> we were saying hooray <laughs> well you know how it goes man i mean all over all over hollywood 
You got those people from Big Blonde that are always pushing, just lobbying to get brunettes out of movies. That's true. Big Blonde, man, they got reach too. They got reach. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably what happened. They got to Mike Flanagan. They like set him down and they were like, your kids could disappear and become Mm -hmm. blonde. And he (laughs) was like, no. Don't say that. I put one of your stars in my movie. I don't know why he talks that way. <laughs> He's Italian now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Mike Flanagan, noted Italian director. <laughs> noted Italian director. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, also I watched The Witches, and uh, I haven't seen it since I was a kid. Oh, no way. Really? Right, yeah. So this is the same as Hocus Pocus. Uh, I hadn't seen it since I was a kid. It reminded me that I was very scared of the painting girl bit yeah uh-huh. as a kid and i thought it was way more of the movie than it is <laughs> just a story <laughs> the she tells like, at stuck the out in your head yeah yeah uh, but dude i i enjoyed it of course it, it's still fun i saw how somebody could look at it and be like this could be remade better now from what i've seen of the remake i don't know if they've done it better mm, i've not seen any trailers or anything for it but I did really like the the way they like animated the the mice and stuff. It all looked great. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, it has that like magical yeah. '80s childhood Jim Henson kind of feel to it. And yeah. Angelica Houston is She's so a good. treasure. Yeah, She's and fucking the, awesome. I love the makeup because it's just hideous. It's so oh, cartoonishly yeah. like ugly. Uh, I I like the cartoonish and very childish elements to the witches. I hope they keep that in in the new one. I, I, that didn't need to be taken out. I think some of the dialogue could have been fixed, though. And there's a lot of, like, overlapping dialogue that doesn't make sense as to why hmm. it's overlapping. Where yeah. it's like somebody's kind of answering a question as it's, like, ending. And, <laughs> and it almost sounds like you're watching a Dario Argento movie. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like some badly placed ADR kind of stuff. Yes, that's exactly what it is. Is that they didn't... Like, I think one scene in particular, it was the mouse was talking to the grandma, and I guess the actress didn't give enough time, and they didn't think to just cut to a different shot and, like, you know, have have his dialogue and then cut back to her with her dialogue. So it's like they just try to speed his dialogue in between. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like you're describing every episode of Gilmore Girls. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody talks that fast. Come on. It's the best. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The fast talk of the show in the West. Yeah. So what you been watching, Ben? Dude, I have been tuning in to a lot of Halloween classics that I have talked about on the show I think every year since we've been doing the show, we we tend to watch a handful of the same flicks. Like we watched Trick or Treat the other day. Oh yeah, God damn man, so it's great. Still, it's still so great, mm. man. It's just so well paced and so fun, but like also just so Halloweeny. Like that whole town is just decked out, yeah, to the nines with mm-hmm. Halloween stuff. So it's one of those that really puts you in the All Hallows Eve spirit yeah um we also watched cabin in the woods oh yes still it's just the fucking best best. every time i watch it i keep waiting to get tired of it for it to like wear out on me and be me be like yeah i'm not really in the mood to watch this actually but it's actually the all it's always the right one to watch you know what i mean yeah i watched it uh last week i don't think i talk about it but whenever i watched it at the end i I was like man i wish we could redo the episode because i got so much more out of it again Right. And, yeah. And it is one of those where it's like, wow, 
how am I like because it, it seems like a real you know maybe commercial type of movie because so many people have seen it and so many people love it but I think it's, it's got a lot, a lot of layers to it yeah I think so too man and I love too how that movie it just doesn't waste any time nope. <laughs> at breaking your expectations of what it is. I mean, the yep. way that it just starts off with the two dudes in the underground bunker, and they're talking about redoing their cabinets and shit like this. Yeah. And then the jump scare title screen, Cabin in yeah. the Woods. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Really, really awesome. Uh, I don't think I'll ever really get tired of watching that one. No. We we did try out a new one this week. We watched the new animated Adam's Family cartoon that oh, they did. Oh, okay. How was that? I, I've, been, I've been good. eyeing it. Not good? No, okay. no. It's really, really not good. It's that like, sucks. You know how whenever we reviewed the orig- original Adam's Family movie, uh-huh. I think last yeah, yeah. year on the show, Yeah. you know, we talked about how it's grim and morbid, and it also, I think, gave kids credit to be able to understand that kind of humor and not yeah. take it seriously when, you know, they get their arms cut off during their right. talent show and stuff like this. This movie seems to not have that faith in children. Mm. And so it just severely, severely neuters everything about the Adams family and just completely misses the point, man. It wow. was not enjoyable. Like I honestly, even sitting here right now, I can't tell you what it was about. Like I don't really remember just because I huh. didn't care at all okay. about it. Yeah, not good. Uh, right. We also watched The Frighteners from oh, was it like okay. 1996 or something like that. Uh, yeah, Peter Jackson, uh, Michael yeah, J. Dude. Fox. Yes, that's uh-huh. that's one I I remember really enjoying. I haven't seen it in a while. Well, uh, have you? Was this the first time you've seen it? It was the first time that ever I had ever seen it, and I remember seeing like ads for it on the backs of comic books and stuff. They edited or mm-hmm. advertised yeah, that yeah. really heavily in comics. Yes, back they did. In the day. I remember that. I had like the skull face coming through the uh-huh. wallpaper and stuff. Yeah. Which is really cool and obviously stuck in my memory, but I'd never seen it before. I don't think there is another movie as laden with rubbery early CGI. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's, it's so rubbery. Yeah. Oh, my God, dude. But it has that like fun, super weird Peter Jackson feel with like some really bizarre characters and weird, gross humor and stuff. And. Uh-huh. An overly convoluted storyline, like there was just way too much storyline they tried to pack into this movie, but it was still, oh, yeah. it was still pretty fun. I enjoyed it. Uh, wasn't Fr- that Frighteners was the movie Peter Jackson made right before they started filming The Hobbit, right? Like this, it was like Holy 90, shit. Yeah, 95 right. or 96. Before did Lord of the Rings, yeah. Lord of the Rings, yeah, yeah, Because they started Lord of the Rings in 97, started filming, I think. Damn. Because they filmed it over like three years. That sounds right. I think yeah. you are correct there. It's crazy to think that that was the stepping stone. <laughs> to yeah, it was like Frighteners and Lord then of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah. Dang, dude. Are we going to do the Two Towers this year? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Christmas time, baby. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I'm I'll so excited for it. Yeah, because the Two Towers is my favorite of the three. And the Battle of Helm's Deep is, I think, the best battle sequence throughout the entire film series. Dude, it's so fucking good, yeah, man. It's That's great. gonna be a treat. And we've also been gearing up for another treat that we're getting this year. Another hopefully good thing that happens during twenty twenty. Um we've <laughs> been getting ready to watch the new season of Stranger Things by rewatching oh, yeah. the series. We finished uh season one the other day there and we started season two. Man, I'll tell you what, like even though that season one only came out like a few years ago. It's crazy how, like, I already have nostalgia for it. <laughs> I yes. was like, man, I yeah. remember when this came out, and it was just this out-of-nowhere thing that we saw a trailer mm. for, and we decided to watch, and everybody got hooked. 
Yeah. Everybody was talking about it. Everybody was posting, you know, whatever memes and gifts yeah. and stuff of the Christmas lights spelling shit out. Like it was a phenomenon. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I mean, and and all of those kids have basically fit somewhere into the the movie and TV verse. They're all like becoming part of uh the the future of, of movie and television which is great we all fell yeah. in love with them immediately like they're all just so good together and so like uh fun and funny to watch but it also i think some of that nostalgia is is that it is nostalgia itself like it's dealing off of our own nostalgia already like That's watching true, it yeah. was like reminding you of the 80s movies that inspire it and so you're already nostalgic as you're watching it the first time. So it's it's real easy when you go back to be like, gosh, man, this feels like part of my childhood almost. Right. But yeah. It it's, just it's like came out. Yeah. <laughs> Inception nostalgia. Yeah. <laughs> we've been incepted. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, it's good. And we've been watching through season two, and it's also way better than people give it credit for. I know that a lot of people shit on it for like that one episode where two. 11 leaves town. Yeah. Oh man, I liked that episode cuz it expanded the universe. Yeah, to exactly. me, I thought it was great. But yeah, yeah, I, yeah it, it does seem to be unattached to the rest of the storyline. Mm-hmm. But, it, but I, it's, it's not, really though. cool otherwise. Yeah, I mean she's learning her power. She's learning they they teach her and we also learn there are others out there with with powers which is way more interesting to me than just the one character and you know you you had to expect it because her name is 11 like if she's a number there were 10 before her and they're probably after her just like how we knew since wolverine was weapon x there's also weapons a through z right (laughs) weapon (laughs) c that guy doesn't sound that cool (laughs) and then there's the pornographic adult novels weapon (laughs) f obviously (laughs) Yeah, those are the ones not approved by the comics. No. Nope. <laughs> and one more that you watched this week that you told me about, I wanted to ask you if it still holds up, man. You said you watched Paranormal Activity three. Oh yeah, which uh-huh. you said is one of your favorites. How's it that is my up fa- for you? Yeah, it's my favorite in the series, and I I think it's it's still great. Like even when you know the stuff that's coming up, the way they build the tension works so well. I I really just enjoy that franchise in general. It's, um, you know, it's so, it's low budget and you're only getting certain angles and stuff, but that, like, that limitation opens up so much potential creativity that I think they were able to bring out really well in, in part three. Hmm. I still haven't watched any of the sequels, man. Yeah, check them out sometime, man. They're, they're definitely worth a watch. I think I will, because even after we did the original Paranormal, which I had yeah. just seen for the first time for the show, I was like, actually, this is not all that bad. I was impressed. Yeah. Well, I'll have to check that one out for sure, man. But, you know, before I can do that, I've got to deal with a little problem here. And this is something that I've been wrestling with. It, it seems like forever. And yeah. I feel like among yeah. my trusted friends and our dead and lovely listeners, I can finally come out and be open about this affliction Let's hear that it. has been really bothering me. And Steve, I know that a lot of people don't know this about you, but you do have mm-hmm. a minor background in medical expertise that we that never really mentioned on the show. So I just don't like even, to talk about it. Yeah, you don't want to brag. You don't want to no. flaunt all those degrees in people's faces and stuff, yeah. you know? You look like just, you're showing off. Yeah, just, oh, Mr. Big Shots here. Nah, you know, like, okay, maybe you got a mole I can look at. I get it. 
The affliction that I've been diagnosed with is a condition that's known as dusty gums. Ooh. Dusty yeah. gums. It's yeah. a condition where I am I am parched. I'm yeah. constantly in need of a flavor. Mm. Uh, also, sobriety is a side effect of this as well. Oh, I was really yeah, wondering you don't if, need that. if you had maybe some advice on something I could try to, you know, help rid me of my dusty gums. I'm going to I'm going to prescribe you right now. This is going to okay. solve all of your problems. I need you to get about 16 ounces okay, of beer in you. I need to put 16 ounces of beer. What temperature should the beer be? Uh on, on the scale, it should be closer to co. <laughs> you want to get the so co. I should try 16 ounces of co beer. Co beer. Yeah. <laughs> Code beer that's code. Yeah, well, that's it how just you so it. happens. <laughs> I've got one sitting here right next me to me. Me too. That, that was given open. to us by a dad and lovely yeah, listener. This uh, another one from Lamar. Uh, and this is another one from Icarus Brewing. These are actually the last uh, Icarus Brewings that he gave us. I wanted to kind of Aww. finish them out because we've been enjoying them. Oh my God. I'll tell you what. Lamar's beers fuck. This guy they knows how to do. pick out yeah. a beer. Yeah. Mine is uh, an Icarus Brewing in collaboration with. Bricks City Brewing. This is uh, brewed and canned in Lakewood, New Jersey. This is Yacht Jams Volume 4. It is a Imperial India Pale Ale with toasted coconut, pineapples, and blackberries, and it's 8% alcohol. I think my gums ain't going to be dusty for long. This heavily oated New England style Imperial India Pale Ale brewed in collaboration with our friends from Bricks City Brewing. Dry hopped with cashmere, lupulin, citra, mosaic, and Columbus, then conditioned on fresh pineapples, blackberries, and coconut. Oh my wow. gourd. This sounds that like it's sounds gonna be fucking awesome. Dope, yeah. I got you me got? I got me a Cobra Clutch Imperial <laughs> IPA. I like yeah. how that sounds. Yeah, so yeah, th- uh, again, these Icarus ones came from Matt Barnish, the taproom manager at Icarus. Uh, nice. And, thank and you. Thank, thanks, Matt Barnish. Thanks for Lamar for bringing them. Uh, this this Cobra Clutch bin is a heavily oated and weeded Imperial IPA, dry hopped with Nelson Savon and Citra, then copiously dry hopped with Lupulin Mosaic and Nelson Savon. That sounds amazing. And I'm yeah. just saying, if Icarus Brewing wanted to do a small run. Of a Ben and Steve signature beer, uh-huh. I would and distribute be, it. Yes, and we'd call it the Co Beer Clutch. <laughs> Co Beer Clutch. We, there does need to be a dead and lovely Co Beer. Oh yeah, absolutely. So you yeah. kidding me? I would love that if people could like order it and they would distribute it and stuff. Come That'd on, that'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. Whoever wants to do that for us, step the fuck up and let's do it. <laughs> let's now, help. Yeah, help us make you some money. Come on. This thing is cloudy as hell, Ben. Yeah, mine's a little bit foggy looking too, and it is just a deep golden color. It doesn't look like orange juice. It doesn't have that orange juicy kind of thing going on in the glass. It's just that wonderful co-beer cold color. Mine looks like like peach nectar. Like, oh, Lord of mercy. Yeah, which is, uh, I'm I'm wanting it. I really hope, I hope it tastes as good as it looks. This thing looks Get great. Get that so thing in I'm your face, dude. I'm going to give me a little taste. 
Mine smells amazing. You can definitely smell the pineapple and the coconut, too. I've had a couple IPAs that claim to have coconut in them, and then you can't really detect it. Yeah. You can really get that on the nose of this thing. How's that Cobra Clutch treating you? It's sweet. Uh, it's thick. It's what I was hoping from the look of it. It's got, it's got hops like crazy, but it's like fruity sweet. Mm. It's really like from the look of it, it's what I wanted it to taste like. It it's just got hops like, like a truck. Fruit what? juice. What? What? Thick like what? What? But, what? But. IPA butt. But. <laughs> Dude, this uh, yacht jams is absolutely glorious hell yeah holy moly this is like fantastic it's fantastic man it's not overbearing like you don't get that sunblock kind of flavor to it you know um the pineapple is definitely there it doesn't seem to have much of like an orange or tangerine kind of flavor like Mm. a lot of these do it's mainly just the pineapple flavor and a little bit of that coconut on the back while still being Nice and hoppy, and you know it's got a little bit of that creaminess due to the the oats and stuff in there. It's fucking awesome. Seriously, like if I had this anywhere near me, and drinking IPAs. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. We just made a commercial for you, Icarus. Yeah, Bruce's signature beer next. Yeah, this is uh, this is great. I I could, I mean. I feel like I could uh, drink this all day, but I feel like about halfway through, I'm going to be like, I could not drink this all day. <laughs> it's a seven and a half percenter, so it's got it this going thing on. This is eight, and I don't know how that's possible. I mean, the fact yeah. that it's eight percent alcohol, you cannot detect any Yeah, this just tastes like delicious juice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Deadly. Love it. Yeah. Great, great, great stuff. All right, Steve, you know what? We're going to be talking about Rob Zombie's Halloween, but not yet. Because oh. it is time What's happening? to venture uh-huh. as a duo into the hallowed sacred grounds of the Preview Palace. Welcome to the Preview Palace. Ah, the crowd's going wild. Ah, oh my god. Yeah. We the did it. It's normal. It's fine. Yeah, don't worry. <laughs> Not weird shape or anything. No, it's totally fine. They're supposed to be that way. <laughs> now, yeah. Steve, you know, this is Rob Zombie's remake of it John is. Carpenter's Immortal mm-hmm. Halloween, one of our favorite movies of all time, one of the all-time heavyweight champs. But, you know, something that a lot of people don't know is that this wasn't the original project that Rob Zombie pitched yeah. to the movie-making community. People haven't he, heard about this. He actually had a long series mm-hmm. of other remakes that yep. he was planning to do before Halloween was the one that stuck. And this is something people don't know about, but me and Steve here, mm-hmm. we went through an internet search engine called askjeeves.com, right. yep. and we have unearthed the sales pitches of some other remakes that Rob Zombie could have potentially made in his signature scuzzball style. And I'm, I'm telling you guys, you're not going to believe some of these things. No, nope. you're going to be, your mind is going to be blown when you hear what Robert Zombert was thinking of doing. We managed to find ourselves a couple of these rare never before seen plot synopsises and we just want to share them with you guys because these are the movies that we could have had by rob zombie 
I'm excited. I don't think you guys man. are ready. Are you ready to hear this first one, Steve? Uh, man, I, I, once these people hear this, they're going to be like, why did they go with Halloween? But mm-hmm. let's hear it. What do you got? Some of these really could have stuck, I think. All right. Mm-hmm. Dig this. The year 1974. Mm. Two immigrant Italian brothers land on the dirty streets of Detroit, Michigan. Right. By day, they earn their keep as plumbers. Mm-hmm. And by night, they unwind by listening to James Gang while tripping balls on mushrooms. Right. Yeah. One night, during a hard trip on some new shrooms a customer paid him with, Mario's stripper girlfriend, Peach, played by Sherry Moon Zombie, is abducted by the leader of the Koopa Troopa biker gang, Bowser. Riddled with guilt, the traumatized Mario becomes stuck in a bad trip where the lines of reality and hallucination blur and he perceives his Koopa Troopa enemies as bizarre lizard people and dragon men. Armed only with an improvised flamethrower made from a lighter and a can of ether, Mario burns his way across the decrepit urban kingdom, jumping on the heads of Koopas and curb stomping a swath of mayhem and destruction on his path to rescue his princess. But little does he know, she is in another castle. John Leguizamo is Luigi and Ron Jeremy stars as Mario in Rob Zombie's Super Mario Brothers. (laughs) That sounds dope. I mean, I would wow. absolutely watch the fuck out of that. Mar- you know, Mario tripping balls, curb stomping some people. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Scuzzy <laughs> on the scuzzy streets it's- of 1974 Detroit. Rob Zombie had a vision. He did. He did. It sounds like uh, uh, Super Mario Brothers meets Mandy. <laughs> That's exactly what it sounds like. I, I envision that kind of just like drug-addled, you know, psychedelic kind of uh, violent, scuzzy movie. I think I think Bob Z, Bobby Zed could give us that. Yeah. Now, Ben, I did a deep search on okay. the dark web. Oh God, you found this on the dark web? I found this on the dark web. Now it was it's a video from 2007 from a, a Motorola Razor. Um. In the sounds not great, but he had cards. So I hope I can get out what Rob Zombie was really going for this was when pitch, he huh? was pitching his Sleepaway Camp remake. <laughs> I cannot wait for this. I'm now, sure that he upped the aggression level of those campers to new heights. Now, of course, yes. Uh, the the pictures I saw. Now we we of course we know. That New Jersey aggression is heavily shown in the original Sleepaway Camp. It's potent. It's just not white trash enough, Ben. Mm-mm. No, uh-uh. no. Now, <laughs> this is what I got from seeing some of these. It looked like he had recast some of these. Looked like he had um, Sid Haig playing Mel. That makes perfect. That sense. makes yeah. perfect sense. Sid Haig playing Mel, Mel, but Ronnie was played by Danny Trejo. <laughs> so he's muscular, but he seems less friendly. <laughs> yeah, maybe a little harder edge. Again, Rob Zombie likes to bring a little edge onto these characters. Now, I, I, he did, he had shot some, some footage, and there was the doc scene where they were gonna throw, they were gonna throw um, Angela <laughs> into the water. Danny right. Trejo comes up and slaps several people. 
Oh yeah. Pulls yeah. out a machete mm-hmm. and threatens Meg. I believe fuck was said several times. I couldn't tell for sure. Just from the video though, Rob Zombie was definitely saying fuck. It's an educated guess. Yes. He had Sherry Moon Zombie in there playing Aunt Martha. Oh man. Okay. Yep. I, I like did, that. He did have a, a scene shot where the scene where she was doing her little monologue. And for some reason she said, Now what the fuck was that I forgot? Yeah, yeah, and mm-hmm. she was also wearing uh, a halter top and Daisy Dukes, I would assume. Oh, for sure. You know, yeah. Aunt Martha style. Now, yeah, this totally. was the big thing, though. He had mocked up uh, the 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 surprise reveal at the end of Sleepaway Camp. And let me tell you this, Ben. You've never seen a more mangled dick. <laughs> that thing was chewed up. Looked like old Slim Jim. Apparently, he had he had uh, a, a backstory where Aunt Martha had tried several times to remove the dick. Oh my god! See again, it's like the original, but even darker. Even Some improvised darker. surgery. Yes, she said, "I can't get this fucking dick off." And you know what? <laughs> that ties into where you know her her dad that was the doctor, right? Uh-huh, right. You know, he died. It's like, oh, your dad couldn't have done this. I'll finish the job. Obviously. Me, Aunt Martha. Your fucking wow. aunt. <laughs> With my tits out. Yeah. We also have Ken Faree as Ben and Bill Mosley playing Artie, the child molester. <laughs> 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 I mean, the cast is stacked with a stacked. lot of, you know, Bobby stacked. Zed regulars. Yeah. So I think that could have worked. Uh-huh. What, what, what's a, let's hear another one, Ben. What else did you read about? All right. So, you know, some of these remakes that he pitched, some of them were horror. He had a couple other horror remakes that he, did he? planned okay. on getting to that, you know, again, I guess because they didn't have the franchise power of Halloween and stuff. You know, they're like, I don't know how many people will get this. If you try to do a remake of The Wraith, which, as oh. we know, is one of my favorite movies. Yes. I love I love The Wraith. So this remake talk, probably, when you heard it, you were like, oh, what, what would he have done to my precious Wraith? Yep, exactly. And I'll tell you what he would have done. He discussed it the fuck up. Do you want to read his synopsis it. that he pitched? Let's hear it. Okay, so just imagine you're... You know, you're there hanging out in the yeah. Miramax Studios offices or wherever it is uh-huh. here in this pitch. Tell me you wouldn't buy this, okay? Okay. Local greaser from the wrong side of the tracks, Jamie, chose the wrong gang of Nazi punks to drag race against. <laughs> Instead of losing his pink slip, he lost his life and his go-go dancer girlfriend, played by Sherry Moon Zombie, who had both of her tits out. <laughs> After his murder, his soul went to hell, where he bargained with the super beast to return to Earth as a spirit that was more human than human. A wraith! Now the reincarnated Jamie is on a hell-bound trip for revenge behind the wheel of his supercharged Himikuda, the Dragula. (laughs) He won't rest until he claims the heads of his killer, played by Bill Mosley. Skinhead diaper fetishist Skank and Gutter Boy, Ken Faree and Danny Trejo. Uh-huh. <laughs> Meth head porno creep dwarf Rughead, played by Vern Troyer, <laughs> and reclaim his girl, all the while evading the long dick of the law, Randy Quaid, <laughs> revising his role of Sheriff Loomis. I mean, I'm in. I'm way in. That's I would absolutely amazing. watch that. Holy. Shit. <laughs> and his girlfriend was taken with both her tits out. 
I mean, I would watch the ever living yeah, fuck absolutely. out of that. I don't know about you. All right, Ben, you are not ready for this one. Oh man, I better be sitting down. Because okay, I, sitting down. I, I, he had actually shot the majority of this uh, with just some like puppets and stuff, just to try to show them what he wanted. And boy, you're you're just not. We open Ben. Yeah. On a little mysterious creature covered in dirt. Okay, I see it now. Yeah. He's walking away from a burning building. There he goes. That has it has a has a sign written in Mandarin and some paper lanterns on the outside. Uh-huh, yeah. The little creature it seeks warmth. It finds a little hole in a fence near a junkyard and comes across a pit bull with puppies. It yeah, cuddles it up right, yeah. with the pit bull and puppies. Seconds later, Diamond Dallas Page comes walking in to grab of he does. one of the puppies to train to be a fighting pit bull. <laughs> he grabs this little creature, looks at it, and goes, huh, that's strange, but then yeah. trains it to be a fighting pit bull despite the fact that it stands on two legs and sings cute little songs. Oh my god, he sings little 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 songs. This is amazing. First fight. Out comes this creature versus this pit bull. The pit bull immediately recognizes there's something wrong. People are screaming and yelling, and then one throws in a beer. Slow motion, <laughs> the beer comes flying in as it splashes on the creature. The creature begins what writhing on the ground. Oh no, what is it? What's happening? Things are popping out of its back. Oh, oh no, huge other creatures all over the place. <laughs> What's up with this? Everyone looks around, confused. All these creatures, they then start attacking the pit bull and destroying oh it, eating it. Well after midnight, <laughs> and then becoming gremlins. <laughs> and I assume that like heavy heavy use of classic rock, like after midnight oh, by Eric Clapton, yeah, is used absolutely. On the after midnight is pumping. Whenever they start eating that pit bull, wow! And boy, it just gets wild after that. This Diamond is a Dallas bold Page reimagining versus, uh, and uh, also. This is just assumed, but because of the training of the original Mogwai, all of the gremlins are now really good at fighting. <laughs> <laughs> of course, yeah, obviously. So it's Diamond Dallas Page with Danny Trejo and Ken Faree fighting off well-trained gremlins. <laughs> this sounds amazing. I'm way into this. And you know what? I bet he got the idea for that because... When you watch the original Gremlins and there's that story about the, the dad getting stuck in the chimney, that is actually like a Rob Zombie storyline. That is very... Yes. <laughs> that, that's still going to be in the movie. Still going to be Phoebe Cates, too. We're going to have Phoebe yeah, totally. Cates come in and tell that story. That's amazing. I would absolutely watch the fuck out of any of these. But, dude, I don't know if you're ready for the last one that I found. Because this one sounds like it's pretty well developed. And I think that this is also a really bold move, uh, considering that, you know, the Wraith is one of those, like, cult classics and stuff, but Bobby Zed was really swinging for the fences when he wrote up this treatment for this remake, because this is one of the all-time Hollywood blockbuster giants that we all know and we all love. This is his treatment that he wrote and pitched 
for Jurassic Park, and I don't know if you're even ready. <laughs> makes, I, I cannot imagine where this is going. I'm excited. Let's hear it. His vision of Jurassic Park, I mean, it has elements of the original, obviously, but just retold with such a, I mean, just, you know, poverty fetish, scuzzy <laughs> twist that we expect out of Rob Zombie. Do you want to hear it? Yes. Yes. Okay. I'm excited. All right. Dr. John Hammond was once the leading dinosaur fossil expert in Texas, but in 1974, he squandered his fortune on hookers, blow, and booze. All that remains of his once great empire is his scummy roadside attraction and barbecue joint, Jurassic Park, (laughs) where aged bouncers and strippers put out to pasture reenact the days when dinosaurs roamed the earth in decrepit foam latex costumes. (laughs) Tina the T-Rex, played by Sherry Moon Zombie, might be (laughs) an apex predator by day, but she sucks dino dick behind the dumpsters for coke money by night. (laughs) <laughs> and everyone looks the other way when they hear the moans of, oh, your dino head after the last show of the night is through. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Hammond stoops so low as to recruit his own nephew and niece into his Cretaceous <gasps> cult. But trouble is brewing <laughs> when Vinny Velociraptor and his gang of Nazi punks go feral and start killing off their castmates in an angel dust fueled rampage. <laughs> the only hope for Timmy and Lex are a dino obsessed duo on a filthy road trip to bone down at dig sites across the nation while high on trucker speed, traveling with their drug dealer chemist Malcolm, played by Bill Mosley. Yeah. Ellie, also played by Sherry Moon Zombie, and Grant, played by Danny Trejo, are the only hope of escaping Rob Zombie's Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> this is... Wow. I mean, wow. Wow. I, I mean, the, the balls to take, you know, a beloved classic like that and just really scuzz down. I mean, sucking yeah. dino dick for coke money? Just 14 years later, too. Like, Bold. this is insane well i mean i mean you know what maybe it was one of those where he was like i will i will open with what i want them to pick and then i'll pitch them this crazy jurassic park thing and they'll be like no way we can do that we'll do the other one trick right it might have been one of those deals he knew it was too far but he also knew it would get him what he wanted right yeah yeah because he really wanted to make dragula yeah (laughs) the ring I mean, all of those sound like gems to me that we would be fortunate to one day see. I hope that they get around to to making all of these. And just don't forget, you heard them here first. Nobody else has talked about these. Nobody else. We got the scoop somehow. Yeah, this is an exclusive. (laughs) (laughs) Trademark dead lovely. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Steve, now that we've dug into the deep imagination of Rob Zombie, I'd say that it's about time that we get on in here into this movie review and talk about his remake of John Carpenter's Halloween. When did this thing come out? This is a 2000, 2007. Uh, 2007. Exactly yeah. what I said. Uh-huh. I know. Why you yeah. you got to repeat everything I say? 2007 is Echo. when it came out. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, whenever this came out, you know, this is like before I got super hardcore into horror. Like right. I, I liked horror movies and stuff, but I wasn't nearly as, as jaded and well-versed as I am now, but I, right. I already loved the original Halloween. So whenever this is coming out, I was like 
optimistic because I had seen Devil's Rejects and I really right. liked it. I think this is before I even had seen House of a Thousand Corpses or his other movies and stuff, but I'd seen Devil's Rejects and I liked it a lot and I loved mm -hmm. Halloween. So I was like, this might be crazy enough to work. So I was reasonably excited to see it in theaters. And I recall whenever I saw it, I was like, yeah, my biggest takeaway is I don't know if I like feeling sorry for Michael Myers and his trashy right. childhood. I don't know if that makes it better. And I also didn't expect to see a expedited remake of the first movie in this. I thought it was just kind of an origin story, but it's actually an origin story plus a, a quick remake. Yeah. And I actually hadn't seen the movie since then. I think that is the only time I'd watched this. So hmm. okay. going into this episode, I was excited to rewatch it and see if I liked it more or less, you know, just due to my right. many, many yeah. years of watching horror stuff all the time now. When's the first time that you watched this? And I, I watched it around the time it, it uh, came out on video, and then I have seen it since because I rewatched all the Halloween movies at one point. Yeah. And I remember the first time I watched it being uh, surprised because I had been told by so many people it was it was bad. And watching it, I was like, I don't think this is bad. I think this was not what people wanted maybe <laughs> like i think i think so yeah it's like yeah it's like if if you're full and somebody's like here's some macaroni and cheese and you eat it and it, it could be the most delicious macaroni and cheese in the world but it's like eh, it's not feeling it i don't yeah, think people yeah, were feeling it. it yeah yeah i think that's the case and kind of on the subject of you know you rewatching this in context of all the sequels and stuff like that that's one thing i want to address up front yeah. here because i know i'm gonna have some pretty pretty cold critiques critiques of this movie but I also want to put it out there that most all of the Halloween movies really suck, guys. Like, they really, do. really yeah, suck. Yeah, they're really bad. Yeah. And this one, this one, I think, uh, is consistent in a way that 4 through H2O really aren't. Yeah. They're just not consistently so good movies. This is no. consistent on, on a particular level the entire time. Yeah. How would you rate it in comparison to the other ones? Because to me... Yeah. I would say it probably goes Halloween 1. Yeah. Um, I would say Halloween 2018. I right. definitely like better than this. Uh-huh. To me, like, okay, when it comes down to what's better, this or Halloween 2, Halloween 3 doesn't count. It's a different franchise yeah. for all yeah. for all effects. Uh, but for me, like, when I compare this to, like, Halloween 2, I'm like, well, Halloween 2 didn't excite me at all. No, I uh, didn't But like it, it is shorter. It I is. Think? It's about 30 minutes shorter, probably. Yeah. So if I had to rewatch one, it'd probably be Halloween 2. But I still like this one better than, like you said, 4 through H2O, which are just really fucking terrible. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like we said before, people got all up in arms about Halloween 2018. And it's like, uh, what are your beloved memories of Halloween 5? Because it fucking <laughs> sucks. <laughs> I think for me, I would put this above Halloween 2 okay. slightly. Yeah. Like not even I, I think it really is but neither of us was huge on Halloween 2. So no. it, uh, you know, I know there are people out there who like Halloween 2 a whole lot and they probably would would hold it in higher esteem and that that makes sense. I I don't think either of them is great, but I I do prefer I think this 2 to but this is a hard watch. 
Yeah, it it's is. just it's not, a fun, not watch. fun. Yeah, it's not fun. So like, you know, if I were at a party and someone were like, hey, we could throw on Halloween 2 or Rob Zombie's Halloween, it'd be like, Halloween 2, please. Yeah, please bring yeah. Up, bring me that that jacuzzi kill. <laughs> yeah, but as far as effectiveness and 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 all that, like like doing exactly what you set out to do, I think uh, ha- Rob Zombie's Halloween is a more consistent movie. But again, not fun watch. Yeah, no, this definitely continues a lot of his um, thirst for for trash and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I, he does bring in some pretty good cast and stuff. In he this, does. I gotta say. Yes, he I mean, and that's I mean he's got his people that are in you know all of his stuff everything yeah yeah this this is deep with that but he also brought in people that aren't in all of his other stuff like scout taylor compton and danielle harris christina kleb tyler main tyler main was in he is one of the fireflies i guess though um but yeah like all these all these fresh faces he brings in that that do a great job of being a part of this fucked up world where you also have yeah ken Faree and danny trejo and clint howard and Bill Mosley, everybody is here. Yeah. And, you know, I like that inclusion of Danielle Harris. I mean, she hasn't been yeah, on the set of awesome. a Halloween movie since, I think, what, Halloween 5, right? Yeah, she was in 4 and 5. I think they showed some archive footage of her in one of the later ones, but... That's she, yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah, she hadn't been attached. Yeah, bringing her in to... Because, like, there are so many nods throughout. This does a good job of making nods throughout that aren't overly overt like i know some people had that problem with 2018 that some of the nods are just like ridiculous like the stupid cops that are a nod to the cops from five i think mm, yeah but like yeah some of that yeah maybe stood out a little bit more but uh in this i think you know just casting her but then like that's it like you're not like constantly referring back to the movies she was in or making like any like nudge nudge reference back to yeah, that yeah she's You're not just a clown like, costume or anything like yeah, that yeah yeah she's just now a grown-up and fits into the role really well so <laughs> she's Daniel a grown-up who's way more grown up than the other teenage girls yes. she's with because she's Daniel <laughs> is like 30 while they're filming I know. this she's just tiny so she can yeah. play a kid yeah <laughs> uh-huh. yeah and apparently too like when she heard they were doing you know a new halloween movie she's like i gotta be in this motherfucker and like yeah. really put herself in the way of this movie good to get cast in which i think is cool like i love yes. that she's such a fan that she was like oh i'm gonna come back yeah she's awesome too she's like you know she's uh just a, a horror icon yeah totally i think most of us recognize but if you don't already recognize her as a horror icon she absolutely is yeah definitely so man and dude let me say too in terms of this cast and some of the people that he brought in i just want to say that brad dorif is an underrated chameleon of a human being yeah he is you know because like i didn't even recognize him in this until you know we rented on amazon or whatever and i hit pause and it shows you know he's in the scene or whatever when you're on amazon it's like Brad Dorif, and I was like, "What the fuck? That's, That's him? him!" Yeah, yeah, he, it's crazy. He's he's so good. I think in this, um, he he doesn't get to you know until he comes across, say, like uh, what's her name? Uh, fuck, <laughs> we were just talking about Danielle Harris. Uh, yeah. Whenever he comes across her as she after she's been attacked, that's when we get to see him. You know, really be more brad dorf like before that he is very just relaxed and and calm and i mean maybe maybe also his interaction with loomis when they first interact when he's like i've read your book and i you know frankly don't like you or whatever like but most of the time he's he's a real calm he's he's not going crazy like he can 
so it's easy it's easy for him to get lost if you're not looking for him <laughs> yeah definitely and and you know again he's subtle but i think that he's really good in this oh and yeah you just yeah. mentioned uh malcolm mcdowell malcolm as, mcdowell as yeah. which i i think is actually a really great addition to this movie again, i, I have my complaints about it but I think that he is good in this as a different style of Loomis, but I'll also say that he's good until he's not good. There is this sudden shift in the movie whenever it shifts into the Halloween 1 storyline where like he's uh, in Haddonfield and he's on the lookout for him that yeah. he starts kind of spitting out like Looney Tunes, Donald yeah. Pleasant's lines and just seems real over the top. Like he's channeling more of the Donald Pleasant's there and... He gets like hyper dramatic out of nowhere, but like all for the first half of the movie, I think that he's really good. And like I said, yeah. does play that character in a different way that's still believable, but he seems like cold and calculating and intelligent uh, in a lot of ways, you know? I I think the, the thing that changes, uh, it makes sense, but the movie doesn't make it make sense uh, because... If you watch you watch the second one, which I did because uh, I don't know, I wanted to remember what it was about. Uh, <laughs> you watch the second one; it goes more in depth about how he, you know, has basically sold out and like, you know, is is using the town and stuff. And that's kind of what Brad Dorf is saying to him in in that scene. But like, we don't we don't really get how he goes from this caring psychiatrist to now this, uh, you know, kind of cocky asshole. And also, as you said, like over the top Looney Tunes lines, like like Donald Pleasance in in the first one, like he, I think I think we're supposed to surmise that in that fifteen years he's changed a lot, but the story doesn't give us enough to make that make sense. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I yeah, think so. It's, it's just kind it's of a sudden it, shift. Yeah, it just seems like a real sudden shift. And both of us watched the unrated, like extended edition. So there's not like it's not like they had cut something out. It just wasn't there. Yeah, it just kind of yeah. seemed like suddenly he had gray hair and was kind of batshit nutty. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think the second one uh, exp expands on that a bit and you see more of how he is really like sort of exploiting the town and trying to like use this to keep himself afloat, use the yeah. Michael Myers case to keep himself popular. Sell books, basically. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that I'm gonna watch that second one. I've never seen it before. I remember oh, you, you saying that it's fucking weird. It's fucking weird. Um, the opening is really, really good. Like, cause it 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 opens right at the end of the the second one. So it opens with her like having just killed Michael, and now so she's just like Halloween too. Yeah, and now she's just walking down the middle of the street with a gun in her hand and then like you know, take her to the hospital and it's it's much more of the actual trauma that you would experience from all that. And and then it flashes forward to a time where she's now dealing with this trauma. It is weird. It's it's even more aggressive somehow. It's not bad. I don't think if if you if you think that the first one is okay, the second one is on a similar level. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And fucking Tyler Maine is so scary in it. I mean, he's just yeah, scary. Dude. He's really good as Michael Myers. I'll say that's another high point of the movie for me too. I think um, young Michael Myers, Dag, uh, whatever yeah, his last Dag, name is, yeah. I can't remember. What was it? Dag, Dag Farsh. And Tyler Maine as the adult. Mike Myers, yeah. I actually think is really great. Like he has 
just obviously his physicality working for him there because he's damn six eight, like three hundred pounds. Yeah. He's fucking. He's Huge. damn Sabretooth. I didn't realize yes. he was Sabretooth yeah, until you told me earlier. In uh, the X-Men 2000, uh, the 2000 X-Men movie. Yeah, that came Brian out. Singer one. Yeah, yeah, he was he was that original Sabretooth. But yeah, he's just so big and intimidating in a way that, you know, Michael Myers had never been. Which is, again, like, that makes sense. Because the first one didn't have a big... He was tall, but he wasn't, like, particularly, like, you know, built or anything. So any of the sequels after that, of course, you don't make him huge. But mm-hmm. making him bigger from the beginning would have been a good idea. Because you got, yeah. you know, you know, we see like when Kane Hodder plays Jason, it's automatically more intimidating because he's a huge dude. And to add some believability to it as well. Like when, yeah. you know, he, he he fucking picks a guy up with one hand and Gosh, impales him on the yeah. wall with the other. You're like, yeah, he could do that. If yeah. Tyler Moon walks up to me, he could definitely pick me up with one arm. Yep. And fucking impale me onto Absolutely. a wall. Yeah, and and because the first Michael Myers basically does that, and it's like, well, how would that? Like this movie does it's a lot supernatural. of supernatural. Like, yeah, yeah, this movie does a lot of like the the legwork of trying to explain how these things happen. So if he can do that, then he needs to be big. Like, yeah, totally. Uh, it also like there there's uh you know it takes out him driving. Like, that's one of the quibbles people oh, yeah. have with the first one. Like, how would he know how to drive? This one just takes that out. He he doesn't. I forgot about yeah. that. He doesn't drive in this. You're right. Yeah. So uh, I, I think Rob Zombie was trying to, you know, as a fan of the series, try to explain some of the things that uh, weren't really answered or, or maybe wouldn't have really worked it, from the first one to just try to make it more realistic but you know the thing is i mean again as we said the question at the beginning is always well but why does this need to exist yeah right because you're talking about a classic horror movie that people love this isn't one where it's like oh man that would have been so good if or if they had had more money this would have been better it's just Mm -hmm. one of those it's like it was perfect and awesome and now you're gonna remake it like you you're setting off on the wrong foot you're already upsetting your your fan base yeah even if you are such a huge fan of the original that yeah. you've sat there and pondered all the questions that we have like yeah how did yeah. he learn how to drive why did he put yeah. the tombstone there and shit like yeah. that yeah uh, and again this isn't this wasn't rob zombie's idea I, our little pitch thing that thems was jokes uh, <laughs> <laughs> Shh, you're spoiling it i mean sorry no uh that was all real the Weinsteins <laughs> came to they they asked Rob Zombie they were already going to do a Halloween remake and it's one of those things where like you have to think if you're a director who loves horror and they're telling you they're going to redo John Carpenter's Halloween whether you sign on or not they're going to do it and you think like I am a huge horror fan I I'll at least respect the source material. They could bring in somebody else who will just destroy it. That's the thing, right? And then you get like the Poltergeist remake where you're like, who the fuck made this? Definitely not anybody who loved the original like you. Exactly. So like, you know, no use being mad at Rob Zombie is what I'm saying. Like if anybody out there is like, fuck, what did Rob Zombie remake Halloween? He remade it because he thought I'll be the best person to do justice to this. I get it. I mean, obviously, he's yeah. a huge fan and stuff. It makes total sense. And, you know, 
when I think about like who else could have done this that would have done a better job, I'm like, honestly, no, yeah. nobody. Like, yeah. you either end up just directly remaking the original, which is yeah. pointless, or pointless, you add yeah. stuff to the backstory and all that, yeah. which isn't necessary. It's like it's just it one of those deals where you're like, well, it wouldn't have been really that great if anybody yeah. remade it. Well, here's the thing. Okay, so this is post Batman Begins. We're in two. Uh, okay. So Batman Begins is 2005. Post Batman Begins, everybody was like, oh, people want backstories. We want realism and grittiness. Yeah. Like, how would this happen in the real world and shit? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, as we talked about uh, on the Psycho episode and the Evil Dead episode, we've been talking about remakes all month. Yeah. We've been on uh, kind of a run of remakes now. That I, I think know, yeah. About it. Huh. Um, the, the remake boom had already kicked off in 99. And then 2005, we're, we're already getting into gritty with like, you know, Saw and, and Hostel and all that stuff. And then, yeah, we get Batman again. It's like, oh, everybody must want a backstory. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, they make a backstory one. Uh, Tex Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the beginning, the year before. It made okay money, but not enough. Apparently, Michael Bay decided he didn't want to make anymore. Uh, and then, so, uh, Dimension is thinking well we'll make we'll make a backstory remake of a popular movie series just like they did and see if we make some money off of it it worked um yeah a lot it, of people saw it a lot of people saw it It was it is the third highest grossing halloween movie Golly, so man yeah and that, that's out of what are they they've had like uh this is the ninth so they've had 11 total halloween movies that sounds right yeah yeah Damn, what's the number one and two spot sell by? Well, here's the thing. Okay, so number one is the Halloween 2018. That's remake. number one, really? That's number one. Number two would be Halloween 1978 if you adjust for inflation. But if you adjust for inflation, Halloween 1978 actually made $15 million more than Halloween 2018 holy fuck are you serious i'm serious when you see like when i saw the amount that halloween 1978 made i was like oh that doesn't seem like much and then i put it in the inflation calculator and i was like dude what that movie made so much fucking money back in 1978 so yeah th this movie though it, it was popular it did well it hit with audiences at the time in a way that the none of the sequels had so i mean they kind of re resurged the whole franchise. Yeah, huh? they kind of succeeded in in doing what they wanted of of bringing the franchise back and bringing it back to reality, getting rid of like all the stuff that happened in in the the sequels past three. Hmm. You know, I hadn't really thought about though uh, all the stuff that you said. You know, about this being like in the post Batman Begins oh, right, kind of yeah. world, the, the mm -hmm. post Nolan verse, yeah. where it's like I think that you know after nine eleven, it's just like. Everybody was like, okay, fucking reality. There is no humor. There is no fun. Shit's yeah. fucked up. Let's get down to the brass tacks here and explore what a real-life Scarecrow and a real-life Bruce Wayne mm. would really be like. Because we did have a big run of stuff that was, I think, very much like that and very influenced it, by that, huh? This is actually, and this is a quote from, from the book, or from the, from the movie, but this actually fits into this. This is created by a perfect alignment of interior and exterior factors. Hey. Rob Zombie was the man to make these movies. And then the movies needed to be that way. 
Like, hmm. he made House of a Thousand Corpses out of his own head. He wasn't imitating movies around him. Uh, Devil's Rejects, he wasn't imitating movies around him. That's that's Rob Zombie. Mm-hmm. So he was the guy to make these dark, gritty movies. He was exactly the perfect guy to go to if you're thinking of remaking a big, big name like this because it's ingrained in him. He he already does this. In fact, I'm com- I've come up with what I think is perhaps a subgenre that Rob Zombie is is the epitome of. All right. And that is poverty horror. <laughs> he loves some people ain't got much money, huh? Yeah, and it's important. We need more of it because uh that's reality for a lot of fucking people. These are people that I I've seen families like this like Oh yeah, you absolutely could, so. You could say that uh, Rob Zombie's world is full of over the top angry people, but when you look at this family, I've seen families like this. For sure. And yeah, it, yeah. It is not he is not fabricating this at all. I mean, yeah, the rest of the world is like overly aggressive and over the top, but this family seems very realistic to me. And sad. Yeah. It's sad yeah, in that way. Yeah, I think way. so. Yeah, it's like every kind of scuzzy american neighborhood of yeah. you know lower middle class people mm-hmm. um, like yourself and i when we were kids yeah there was this house in every neighborhood where yep. you know the screen door would be open all day and you hear people yelling and yep. the baby would be out on the porch by itself and shit yep. like this like that aspect is not all that unrealistic no. I, th- I think that like man a lot of their dialogue and stuff like that really just sounds like a really naughty 13 year old wrote it yeah. in the margins of their fucking, you know, notebook in school where Maybe, it's like, man, yeah. I get it. I get it that they're white trash and they're aggressive and stuff like this. But I mean, golly, dude, some of that dialogue where he's just like, that daughter year's got a nice dumper on her. Blah, like, Oh really? no, Is I'm that saying that's that you, you haven't seen that. <laughs> I've seen that. I've that's seen some flea market I've, dialogue. I've seen mom's boyfriends flirting with daughters. Yeah. Uh, All right, touche. Yeah, that is, um, and the Unsavory. way he talk, the way he talks is specifically is a way I've seen a lot of these uh, drunk redneck, uh, aggressive beat uh, children and and wives type of persons that they talk like they're in a movie because mm, wow. they sit around trashy people. Yeah, because they, they sit around while they're drunk and think of shit to say to people. <laughs> wow. And it, it's sad. Um, it's it's real sad to get drunk with a person like that. But it, these people are real. Uh, again, this is a world full of those people. So you're right. That is not how this world would be. But at the very least, I can believe at least one or two of them would be like that. But again, that's Rob Zombie's world. Rob Zombie's world is everybody is this. Everybody is coming from this background of poverty and abuse and uh perhaps sexual exploitation and all these other things that then you know create this horrendous world that then these children are being brought up in right which you know you got to think too it's like there's definitely a bit of rob zombie's childhood in there too growing up yeah he grew up in a carnival yeah (laughs) yeah grew up among carnies so yeah he's definitely seen some crazy wild shit uh, but again, like, you know, the world is kind of offset a bit once we do get to 
um, see Lori and, and her friends because her adoptive parents are nice and sweet yeah. people. Her, uh, you know, uh, Annie Brackett's dad is the sheriff and he's also just a, a sweet dad and cares about his kids. Uh, like there, there's, we're seeing that the, his entire world is not this, but then again, every person we meet trucker person works in the mental institution. Every single person aside from Danny Trejo. Scuzz bucket. Scuzz bucket. Yeah. Scuzz bucket. Yeah. And I think we're also seeing the world with the normality of, of our new Lori Strode in this grown up with her adoptive family, uh, featuring fucking D Wallace. Awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we're seeing the difference that a generation can make. We're seeing the difference that, not growing up in poverty can make yeah yeah i think that is exactly it it's it is the juxtaposition because genetically they share so much yeah but totally. she has not been brought up in that environment and so she is she's still like that that is the cool thing i think is she's still like dark she's still twisted a bit like mm-hmm. despite the fact that she's grown up in this situation she still makes the you know uh, molester jokes and, and all that stuff like she's a, she's a dark person but she's happy and not prone to violence hmm, which, that's true that might just be due to her upbringing in a right. you know, at least middle class family yeah which brings to question because we see it shown several times with michael as, as a child that he he shows what may be empathy he yeah he cares about his baby sister he likes his mom he like really seems to like her he he has so many moments of like is there something good in him but i think the first time we're shown him we get our answer and that is we're shown him petting his rat and then we're shown him washing the blood off a knife yeah, yeah, totally. He has Which is no classic empathy. serial yeah. killer kind of yeah. first step towards killing yeah. people is animal abuse and stuff as we know. Yeah. And that's something that this movie I think actually addresses pretty well as far as the nature versus nurture aspect of what creates a killer. Yeah. Cause it's not just the fact that he grew up in this shitty situation. I mean, when the movie starts, he's nine or ten years old, he's already killing animals and stuff. Yeah. Uh, And it's made clear later, like, he had a disposition to these kind of behaviors anyway, and then growing up the way he did, it was the perfect combination of interior and exterior factors that led him being a cold, you know, killing machine sociopath, uh, which is sometimes the case. Yeah, Uh, absolutely. I talked a long time ago on the show about that guy that was doing those case studies on sociopaths and accidentally mixed up his own brain scan in there and found that... He He's himself a was a sociopath. Yeah. yeah, but he grew up in a loving household as well adjusted and didn't, you know, starve for money or anything like that. So he turned out fine. Yeah. But then you also have stories of our Jeffrey Dahmers, who didn't have particularly fucked up childhoods. He had a head injury yeah. at a young age, which is a bad start to Yeah, a life. head injuries are a big indicator of Very potential. Common. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Extremely, extremely common among sociopaths and stuff. Yeah. But this movie does kind of address it as like, yeah, he had that nature, but then also his upbringing really cemented in his lack of caring and compassion. And I I like that in a way. I like that in a way that it's not just like, he grew up as trash, now he kills people. Right. Um, but, but there's also still the factor in there that, you know, when it comes down to nature versus nurture, 
I think when you're writing a horror movie, um, or any story really for that matter, nature is scarier. Like, mm. I like the fact that in the original Halloween, he's evil because he is. Right. Because he was just fucking born that way. That makes Jeffrey Dahmer so terrifying. He was just born fucked up. And then he had a head injury and stuff that made it way worse. But I think a lot of times when the evil comes from nature, it's scarier than when it comes from nurture. But I do think this movie kind of straddles the line. I think the first time that I watched it, I thought that it was putting all the blame on his uh-huh. upbringing, you know? But now that I watch it again, I'm like, no, he was already fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. He he's he is um he's doing something that you I I have seen on Facebook mothers post stuff like this where it's like, wanna know what it's like to be mother of a little boy? Uh, piss everywhere and throw shit everywhere and then uh, say, I love you, mommy. Um, <laughs> and it's like, those are posted like so it's supposed to be sweet. Whenever I read that, I'm like, that is an abusive relationship and it sounds like your child might be a psychopath. Like, <laughs> and that is exactly what this plays on is he does the I love you, mommy stuff because he's a psychopath, not because he feels empathy. He mm-hmm. knows how to manipulate her. Right, yeah. Yeah. He he is from the... Be- like, they throw in all those moments of potential empathy, but once you read them correctly, it's like, ah, he's playing people. Even right, at this yeah. age, he's learned how to play people. Yeah, he knows how to disguise himself and fit yep. in. And again, mm-hmm. that's something that you read about a lot of real-life serial killers and stuff, too. Yep. And I think that the kid that plays him, Dave, I think oh, he, does, he great. does awesome, actually. Yeah. I think that he's very believable in his... Like you said, his moments of kind of, you know, wearing the mask of blending in and being mm-hmm. a normal kid. I think yeah. that in his moments of, like, rage where he's, like, flipping out and killing that bully with a bat and shit, like... or No, he's with a shovel, I think, is that one. He kills the boyfriend with the bat. Um, I think that is, like, very believable. And yeah. you can really kind of feel the all-consuming rage at that point. I think that he does a good job, and he's got that... He's got that familiar face to him where he doesn't look like... A movie star kid. Like, when you look at Haley Joe Osment, you're like, yeah, he looks like a young kid to be a movie star. Yeah. He looks uh-huh. like a face for TV and movies. Yeah. This kid has, you know, the face of the, the kid that was in your kindergarten that had a angry stepdad and his parents let him watch horror movies and listen to heavy metal. Like, <laughs> yeah. He looks He just looks familiar. like a normal kid. Yeah. Yeah. But he's got, he, like, you know, long, greasy blonde yeah. hair that no other kids were allowed to have. And, right. you know, it comes from kind of a scummy background or whatever. Yeah. Uh, he looks very believable to me. He doesn't look like a kid that was cast because he was creepy or whatever. I think that he's no. got a very believable air to him. I think he was cast specifically because, one, he's tall. He was tall for a 10 year old. Uh, yeah, yeah. And that, that's actually, they had to recast him for the second one because he got too tall to play oh, himself really? yeah damn uh, it was just they they shot it the year after so he he's yeah, pretty tall age, dude i mean they, yeah. just, they just fucking grow like crazy anyway has he been yeah. in other stuff since then yeah yeah he he did he was in um the year after that he was in hancock that uh will smith superhero oh, movie yeah i haven't seen that since it came out either but yeah he's been in stuff and he, he also is a musician and stuff uh does a lot of stuff uh, I think he's a rapper as well. Word. What <laughs> yeah. the hell? Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, he they, he was also picked, though, because he has uh, somewhat feminine features. Mm-hmm. Because he he is almost the... like I, I guess the, the choice was because he's tall, but he isn't actually going through puberty yet, that he would look like 
you would have sympathy for him because he has a child's face, but he's also, you know, he could kill someone. Like, he's big enough to kill someone. You know, now that you bring up the subject of the fact that he has a, a you know, a, a slightly effeminate look about him, that's one of those things that I was kind of wondering if this movie was hinting at in some way, because, man, alive, do all the characters in this movie make it you know a point to to call him the hard f yeah they yeah they're mm -hmm. which is one of those things too that i think i had forgotten that i mean this movie came out in 2007 and i was like yeah you could go to the movies and still hear that a lot yeah yeah and it's like here we are like 13 years later and i'm like if i heard that in a movie i'd be like that's that's uncalled for (laughs) but in this movie they make such um such a point to drop that slur on him like a million times. And then there's yeah. also the sexualization of his own uh, female members of his family. Like, you know, obviously he catches his sister having sex and stuff right. like in the original, but also the fact that his mom is a stripper and stuff. And everybody's talking about how hot his mom is all the time, which by the way, is just a side point. That's, that's one of those tropes that I think is about time to put that out to pasture. Just kind of like the shaming of people that are sex workers Oh, or absolutely. Want to make their living by being dancers or whatever. It's yeah, like, I, did you I, have to make his mom a stripper? Like, is, yeah. is that not just kind of demoralizing and degrading to a lot of people out there? I, yeah, I think it's, I think it's, it's just from a perspective that maybe has gone by the wayside, but also like, I, I just remember those families that I did know that were like this growing up. The mom was never a, a like never a dancer or anything of the sort it was always she worked at like a, a convenience store yeah like, burger king or something it's yeah. just like nor- normal ass minimum wage yeah jobs. like again it's it's i mean when you're talking about poverty you need to talk about i mean this does a good job of trying to display it in some sort of accuracy how uh, poverty can lead to these conditions uh but i mean just consider the amount of money you make at a convenience store versus uh, uh, at a club dancing. Yeah. Like, y- there's a difference in the level of poverty there. Like, we're showing them in very strange level of poverty where they still also live in this nice neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> that is like, true. They kind of do, don't they? Yeah, it doesn't make a, a ton of sense there, but... Uh-uh. Uh yeah, uh, the fact is, is she yeah, making her a dancer makes no sense. She like that is just in some way being like, well, you know, sex workers go along with this scuzzy environment and it's right. like, well, yeah, let's get past that. Let's stop doing that. How about that? I think so. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think so, but I just didn't know if they were going for something with, you know, maybe it is again that also that classic serial killer trait of sex getting mixed up with violence yeah. at an early age where he had all these people questioning maybe his sexuality and yeah. he also had these you know female members of his house that were displaying their sexuality mixed with his you know uh budding penchant for violence and killing animals yeah and stuff. maybe that's there to be like oh that's that classic serial killer combo it didn't show him lighting fires or wet in the bed but it's like that's eh, two out of three ain't bad <laughs> actually two yeah. out of three is really bad two out of <laughs> really, three is really bad. bad yeah i think they took <laughs> bedwetting off because it was getting uh too stigmatized because bedwetting is actually ex- extremely common yeah totally. like 
Yeah, so if you're like, probably a serial killer, it's like, well, then that would mean there are a ton of probable serial killers. <laughs> but, all yeah. babies, probable serial all killers. All babies, probably, every, <laughs> everyone over 85, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, now that I think about it, I got a couple friends that got babies that pissed their pants and they petted the dog too hard a couple times. Uh-oh. They might be on their way. Warning sign. <laughs> yeah, I... I think that this, um, yeah, this, the bit about him, like, becoming what he becomes is well explored. And then we have a remake of the first movie for, like, after 40 minutes of, of, uh, that's in the extended edition. I think in the regular edition, it's like 33 minutes or so of him in you know, be- becoming Michael Myers. So it it kind of feels disjointed a little bit there because you're I so far so. into the movie to finally now be introduced to Laurie. And that's the thing about that. That narrative shift that we get in, in you know, the extended version, 40 minutes into the movie, that narrative shift that we get, you know, watching this and reviewing this for the show i was really going in being like i'm gonna try to not compare it to the original halloween i'm not gonna right. say the original halloween did this better or that better Yeah, because like, it's different, different it's movie. a different movie yeah but at the same time that narrative shift only makes sense if you're familiar with the original halloween imagine right. if this was another <laughs> movie about a new serial killer and then uh 40 minutes through the movie you're like New character, now we're over her shoulder, right. and our main character for the first half of the movie is in the background stalking people. Yeah. Like, that narrative shift doesn't work to me. No. It's it's too... I think it's... You got uh, 40 minutes of a good movie, and then you got uh, an hour and 20 minutes of another pretty good movie, but those two movies don't blend in a in a way that movies normally do you don't normally get what would be considered i guess a 40 minute cold open (laughs) yeah for real although it is kind of funny that we're saying that on the heels of just having praised psycho (laughs) right good point yeah that's a good point it can work i guess but in this case it's not who you thought was the main character died now we're following somebody else it's not that it's just like Oh no, the main character's still in here, but now there's this new main character and yeah. you're following them. Like I almost feel like what would have been really interesting here is if we did get that retelling of the original John Carpenter Halloween story, but it was all from Mike Myers' perspective. Like if we were over mm. his shoulder okay. that Halloween night while he was watching these babysitters all over the town and stuff, and you know, he was hiding in his old home and killing that dog and whatever, mm-hmm. that would have been like an original take where it's like, oh shit. We're going to see where he was when he was yeah. in the shadows this whole Something time. Something more like the Maniac remake, where yeah, basically exactly. you're, you're the killer the whole time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That would have been okay That would have been me. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to see. I mean, that Maniac remake made me extremely uncomfortable because Ooh, of that. Man. So it, it surely is a yeah. very fucking bizarre ride. And yeah. I think that could have brought something new while also being a remake in a sense. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's, that's not a bad idea at all. I think honestly, it's like there were so many ways to go and so many ways in which it could fail. It it really, I mean, it it really is in the end. Like if anybody's like, but why did they do this? Well, money, like that's why they did it. They did it for money. This wasn't like a bold stroke of genius. This was, we're going to try to make some money by remaking Halloween. 
do you want to make sure we don't fuck it up okay cool like there are so many ways it could have gone so many ways it could have gone wrong I, I think at the end like he he probably pulled out the most rob zombie halloween he could oh it's definitely like, unmistakably him it's, I mean, him, it's not one yeah. of those like characterless soulless hollywood right. remakes where you're like man i could have made this like no yeah. i couldn't have made this no this sure. is absolutely rob zombie and that's what uh he he talked to john carpenter before the announcement was made that he was gonna be directing it and you know just to give him a heads up that he was the one who was going to be doing it and to ask him you know for advice and john carpenter told him to just make it his own and i think he did exactly that that is what it is it is a rob zombie halloween yeah unmistakably and you know on the subject of the the backstory and characterization of michael myers one thing that i will say that i really do like that this movie brought to the table and it was kind of hinted at in the original of course in the original we only get you know five minutes of young mike myers in there yeah uh, but one of the first things he does in the original is put on that clown mask so you yep. can go people hunting mm-hmm. i love that this movie brings in that he was always into masks and yeah, he always too. wanted to cover his face and even as a young child in therapy he started making masks and even mm-hmm. as an adult he was making masks to hide his face and even like whenever it shows adult mike myers without a mask on his hair is in front of his face to hide himself. It's like he's yes. even using his own hair as a mask. Like we, n- yeah, we I never like see his face him. clearly as an adult. Never yeah. once. Yeah, and there's a lot to that where it's like maybe he doesn't want to show his face because he feels that he has no face. He has no identity as a sociopath. He doesn't even mm-hmm. connect with himself on any level. So all that he can do is show a false face to the outward world. Like you can dig deep into that. Yeah, and I really like bringing that into the character. And I'll tell you another thing I really like too. Um, like later on, probably about halfway through in the movie there, whenever he's like escaping from the mental home and stuff like that, mm-hmm. one of the masks that he's made that he wears for a lot of the movie is that orange one. It's almost like a jack-o'-lantern right. mask. Right, yeah, yeah. And that, to me, I thought was really neat because as a kid, you know, not being allowed to watch this shit, but always seeing the boxes and the posters uh-huh. at Video West and Movie Magic and all these other VHS uh-huh. places we used to go to, I saw that iconic Halloween poster, which has been my phone wallpaper for the past, like, month. (laughs) Um, I saw that poster. There's the evil jack-o'-lantern face. There's the orange hand with the knife raised up. And in my head, I was always like, is this movie about a guy with the pumpkin head mask on that kills people? Whoa. Okay. That's what I was expecting. And even whenever I watched the original, I kind of kept waiting on it. You know, the first time that I saw it, I was like, when's a pumpkin head well, yeah, guy coming the here pumpkin? from the poster? Because yeah. I thought that it was about an orange guy that killed people <laughs> with a jack-o'-lantern head or something. So I don't know if that's just like something that maybe Rob Zombie connected with too, because he put him in a pumpkin mask Yeah, that is did. kind of a realistic version of the poster. Yeah. And I actually really like that. Yeah. I think uh, it might be a reference to the poster and a reference to uh, three you know, with the the pumpkin mask that they have in oh, there. Oh, yeah, the pumpkin mask yeah. is in there, too. You're right. I forgot yeah. about that. Huh, that's pretty cool. But like I said, I like that exploration um, of the origin. And, and two, like, even... Okay, there's good and bad to this. I like that we do have this reverence of what we recognize as the Michael Myers mask, the William Shatner mask that's painted white, right? Mm-hmm. Because uh, it's what the boyfriend was wearing whenever, you know... Yeah. Uh, the boyfriend is fucking his sister and stuff yeah. and 
That's the night that he killed humans for the first time. Well, was it though? He killed that bully. He killed him earlier in the day. Yeah. Yeah, so it was the same day. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Big day. Big day for him. Yeah, he took out, what, three people, four people. Yeah. So I like the fact that he has this reverence for that mask because that was the mask when he became himself in a lot of ways. And he goes back to that mask and puts it on. And that's when he finally feels himself, is when he puts Mm -hmm. on that pale, emotionless human face mask we talked about that on our original halloween episode like forever ago but we also talked about it uh this is was a, a connection i wanted to make we talked about oh. it on uh, american psycho when he oh, talks yeah. about masks and how we uh-huh. all wear masks like yeah i think the mask bit you know uh, stuff we said in in our original halloween episode and stuff we said in the american psycho episode and and beyond that just that he he uh ishmael uh danny trejo tells him you know that he can live in his own world in his head and then after that he starts wearing masks all the time like he we see him wearing the clown mask before that but after that is when he starts making his own masks and i think it's as you said like he he uses the mask to present something to the world because he's living in his own head he he has fantasies going on up in his own head which is explored more in Rob Zombie's sequel. Okay. Like he goes more into like what is going on in his head. Where? And uh that's where it gets strange. Like he sees his dead mom and like a white horse and he also sees this weird like feast with like these pumpkin head dudes. It's really what? strange. Yeah, Halloween 2 definitely worth a watch at the very <laughs> least just to see what's going on there. Very aggressive, lots of fuck. Um, wow. But it's, yeah, the the mask bit, I like that they explored it more, and I like that he made so many, because it's yeah, like he's too. like... He was trying to find the right fit. Right, yeah, like how, what is the the way, like what, what can I put on the exterior that is going to hide the interior perfectly well? I mean, the first one he makes is just black, like yeah, that first cool. mask. Yeah. yeah, it's cool, but it's like that, that's what he's trying to show is like, I'm nothing, and then after that, it gets more creative. He starts showing more and more. But inside, he remains the same. He's always this killing machine, which gets really, like, hit home when he kills Danny Trejo's character. Yeah, right? And I really want to, like, try to nail this down because I was wondering if he would have killed him had he not been trying to take him back to the room. Hmm, yeah like he even almost lets him put the cuffs back on it's almost like there's this hesitation moment because when he was a kid he kept talking about how he had to get out of there but now it's 15 years he's been there that long it's almost like he he's killed these people because he wants to kill but he's not sure if he actually wants to leave but then Hmm, it's it's like right when he's about to put the cuffs on that he he's like no i i I'm leaving. But then he kills Ishmael in a way that he doesn't kill anyone else. Like it's he, not nearly as like savage, is it? Yeah, he it's like he's trying to be nice. He's like, I'll drown him, that'll be easy. And then like keeps discovering that it actually takes a lot of work to drown someone and then just crushes his head. Hmm. Yeah, he's the only one that he doesn't just initially just stab or destroy in some outward way. Yeah. I think I think it's like in some way it's like not that he 
empathized with him, but that he was like paying him back for being nice to him. It's like, okay, well, I won't savagely beat you to death. I'll yeah, drown I'll you. I'll off the hook easy here. And then crush your head. Like, yeah, like it's, it's, it's a, just a small distinction, but it is a distinction Rob Zombie's obviously making because everybody else gets killed brutally. Yeah. Yeah. Not that that scene's so. not brutal, but he's obviously going for something different. Yeah, a little softer by comparison, right? By comparison, yeah. But he's he is just fully like all about the death and killing. Yeah. And like I said, like I really like that he fully, you know, realizes that that mask that he wore the night that he killed his family, like that's his true face and he has to return to that true face and now when he puts it on, he's like grown into it and stuff. Yeah. I, again, it's it's not perfect because at the end of the day, how did his sister's boyfriend find a painted white William Shatner mask. What, co- what costume was he? Was he like, I got the newest fucking crazy Halloween costume for the year. It's albino William Shatner. Blah. Like, what was the costume that he was wearing? I mean, it's it's the same question from the first movie. It, yeah, because like, he's a hardware sort. What fucking yeah, costume was that? What costume is that? Like, uh, Rob Zombie was able to answer some of the questions. Like, why that particular mask? But... Still, the question is, uh, what world is this where that's a Halloween mask? Yeah. And I will say this, too. Outside of the original and possibly 2018, I need to see 28 again to, or 2018 again to say for sure, best looking Michael Myers mask for sure. Yeah. It looks great. And it like looks the, good. They shoot it so well. Yeah. Like, it, it's, it's dirty. It's kind of grimy. It, 2018. You know, I, I think they were playing somewhat off of it, too, off it of that It looks pretty design. much like this one, yeah, because yeah. it's like the, the latex is degraded. It's kind of yeah. got some cracks in it and shit, and you never see the whites of his eyes. That's one yeah. of those things that really drove me nuts in those Halloween sequels, dude. When you <sighs> see his fucking eyes through the holes, yes. it's over. The mystique is fucking broken at that point, and yeah, you don't the mask see, is shot well here. Yeah, you don't see his eyes until the uh, scene in the basement where you know he kneels down before and like gives her the uh picture and then it cuts to him and it's the first time you see his eyes behind mm. the mask like a little flash of humanity for just yeah like what is this supposed to be is that like that that's a moment too like with ishmael like was was he not going to kill her i feel like he wasn't going to like I hadn't considered this until you brought it up while we were talking about the movie earlier but this is kind of an interesting point because I even have it in my notes that, you know, she got knocked out or whatever, and he carried her back to that place. I was like, why didn't he just offer right then? Maybe that wasn't what he was intending to do. I don't think so. I think Hmm. um, he didn't want his mom to be dead. Um, He, I think, had this connection with the baby that is a connection back to a time when his mom was alive. So he was seeing... Uh, Lori slash Angel Boo as um, this connection that will bring him back to this moment with his mother and when she attacks him and like makes it so that that is not the case that's when he decides to kill her before that I think he would have been happy to just have her in the basement with that tombstone and a rotting corpse for the rest of his life i guess like yeah. i think that was kind of his goal was just to be a family again a fucked up family but a family 
And maybe that is also some kind of like hyper Oedipus complex thing where the reason why Mike Myers killed his mouthy bratty sister and his abusive dad and stuff like that was because he thought it might make his mom happy. Right, because, yeah, they seemed... Yes, I did notice that throughout is that everyone who kills him, uh, or everyone he kills aside from Ishmael, wrongs him in some way. Everyone. So, like, it's a small slight maybe or whatever, but each slight is enough. The 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 sister and the the boyfriend were making the mom's life hard yeah. they also the boyfriend was uh, abusive to him the girlfriend and or, or the the sister and her boyfriend didn't take him trick or treating like they were supposed to right so like there are all these just tiny slights that he has to uh rectify by killing because he he it started with the bigger ones it started with the bullies like, he kills the bully, then he kills the other bully at home. But then after that, it's like, well, you didn't take me trick-or-treating. Well, you, you know, uh, you touched my mask. That's the only reason he kills those two guys, I think. <laughs> yeah. Like, he wouldn't have done anything to those two guards. He would have just sat there and made more masks while they, again, just fucking terrible rape scene. Uh, yeah, let's talk, let's talk about that. Because yeah. this is, again, one of those areas where... I feel like Rob Zombie's lust for scuzz yeah. just really gets in the way. It's too over a lot the top. Of, dude, yeah. yeah, where it's like, well, okay, now we got to have the part where Mike Myers escapes mm-hmm. uh, from Smith's Grove. How's that going to happen? Uh, well, he could just, you know, slip away from the orderlies or kill him and get away that way and hitch a ride on the back of a flatbed truck, whatever. And then he's like, I think somebody got to get raped instead. I yeah. didn't remember that scene, dude. Like, we uh, were watching it, and maybe it is extended in the extended cut. It that is we were extended watching. in the extended cut, yes. But it's like. It's too long. Really graphic Very and really, graphic. really mm-hmm. just not necessary. It's not necessary whatsoever. at all because they had already set up that the orderly might come back to fuck with him. And that's all you have to do is have the orderly come in to fuck with him, and then Michael kills him and escapes. Yeah, but also, too, like, there's this layer of stupidity this brings in the movie as well, where you're like, okay, you've got these two guys that are running this thing at a hospital, like, kind of like what you see in the first, you know, Kill Bill with Buck who's here to fuck and stuff, and you're like, oh, that's disgusting and awful. Uh, But then the fact that these guys are so dumb that they're like, hmm, where do you think we should take advantage of this chick? I don't know. Maybe in a room with this seven foot tall, three hundred pound guy who's in here for yeah, murdering well, people. Great no fucking sense. idea, morons! Like, yeah. why the fuck would you do that? All they had to do was like, uh, you know, Ishmael's not here. Let's go fuck with Mikey, and then yeah. they go in there Let's and pick fuck on with, him. Yeah, and pick on him, and then he he kills him, and that's it. Like, you don't need that at all. There's not no. like, it's like it's like insisting on it. I guess at that point, like, no, no, no. But we have to have a rape scene, otherwise, you know, what's the point of making a movie? Right, and dude, it's the kind of thing where, again, I feel like such a fucking prude even talking about this shit. But okay, like every female character in this movie, you see their boobs in the movie. They're topless at some point in the movie. Yeah, even except Daniel for Lori. Yeah, except for Lori. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's like all the other ones. It's like, well, gonna see their tits the whole movie. Uh, the guys, there's never any male nudity at all in the movie. No. E- even the scene where, like, after, um, oh, shit, what's her name? And Bob are fooling around. Linda. And Mike Myers, Linda and Bob mm-hmm. come back. Uh, and Mike Myers comes back wearing the sheet. 
and he and he kills her. Like in the original, it's like, okay, well, we could just have her get killed, or we could have her get killed while showing full frontal nudity. And well, it's just the kind of yeah. thing where, again, it's like I feel like I prude pointing that out, but I feel like this is also just the kind of stuff that like a 13-year-old would write this. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I think in the Linda situation, it actually made sense. In fact, it didn't make sense. It never makes sense to me when people, after having sex, cover up. That just doesn't <laughs> make warm, sense. dude. I'm always hot. Yeah, who the fuck is like, oh, better cover my tits. Like, nobody. <laughs> nobody is doing that after sex. So that actually made sense to me and worked just fine. Okay, um, I get that. I mean, but it's like, but the camera shots really take advantage yeah, of it. It's just yes, like, well, you, yeah. you might as well see everything she's got mm-hmm. before she dies. It just seems yeah. exploitive to me. It does, and and I think that's you know, it's going for some of the uh, celebration of like uh, exploitation nudity. theater. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's going for that for sure. It's it's not necessary, but it's also like, you know, nobody's gonna be angry at it, <laughs> like. <laughs> I, I don't know if anybody watched it and was like, I'm mad about seeing those boobs, but, Burr. but yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, you're right. It, it It's going for that exactly exploitative, uh, just, you know, not necessarily necessary. And, uh, I specifically with Danielle Harris, like the, it's like, all right, I'm going to take my shirt and bra off to have sex. Not, not my it, dress or anything, just my shirt and bra. <laughs> Like, sure. That's just like, I mean, that's, I mean, I, I've certainly had sex and been like, why do I still have a sock on or whatever? But, <laughs> you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, well, obviously you'd only do that just to show boobs for this scene. Like if, if, if he's gonna insert with her dress on, he's not going to be like, well, let's get this shirt off and the bra and all this stuff. So... Yeah, I mean, it's it's exploitative, uh, exploitative, and and probably intentionally so. So I I didn't have a huge problem with it. It is probably one of the only horror movies where you see a butthole. That's true. Yeah, there is just some full. When he's looking over. at the Swank magazine, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. Yeah, because it's like again, we could we could have this trucker in this station, fucking reading a newspaper or a dirty porno mag. I mean, it's that is like, actually does probably more accurate yeah, for truckers yeah. <laughs> i mean yeah it's hard to get you can't it's lonely just, out there it's a hard job well that's true i, I my brother was a trucker i rode with him for one week i don't know how they do it i mean oh, it, did it, you really yeah it was fun I, I didn't drive or anything i just rode with him because i was like it was summer and he was like i might be going to california and i was like that'd be cool we didn't Dude. end up going to california but whatever I don't uh, envy anybody that I mean no, that, that does that because I know I could. I know hard. a lot of people do it and yeah. love it and make it like make mm-hmm. it look easy and make it their lifestyle. I admire the fuck out of you guys. There's I probably some people it. driving a truck listening to the show right now. Oh, I hope so. And you guys fucking keep America moving and do yeah. the things that I do not have the power to do. So no, hats off no to you guys. No way I could do that because like just from sitting in a truck the same hours as my brother i could get up and move back to the cab i could read i could do whatever i wanted but just from sitting in it it was like this is fucking boring no doubt i cannot imagine how liberating it is because that's like how he is when he gets out of the cabin he's like oh fuck yes out of the cabin like like how liberating that is and also as someone who masturbates uh frequently 
I <laughs> that would probably be the first thing I'd do too. Yeah. <laughs> so I that scene made sense to me. You know what I didn't think about until just now too? Like we're talking about how hard trucking would be in this day and age, but dude, can you imagine being a trucker in like the nineteen sixties during no. like the fucking AM radio age? Like these days it's Ugh. like man, there's there's books on tape for anything you want to listen to. There's podcasts, there's Spotify, yeah. there's anything mm-hmm. you wanna at least entertain yourself with. But back then, you would have just been constantly like scanning the airwaves for whatever radio station you could pick up that might be yeah. playing the same fucking Conway Twitty song you heard ten minutes ago, or just God. preaching, just gospel, oh, just stuff fuck, like man. that. Yeah, oh, I cannot imagine. How did that would people have been do so it? hard? Okay, so on the subject of Michael Myers and and Laurie and the adult Michael that we get later on in the movie, um, while Tyler Maine's physicality is definitely one of his strong suits, like we talked about. To me, it is also kind of a a detriment in a few parts of the movie where, okay, and again, not to just compare this to the original, right? but in the original, we have so many scenes where there's just the shadow of Myers or just that white mask poking through, um, you know, in a window or in that closet or whatever. It's really hard for a giant fucking 300 (laughs) pound, almost seven foot tall guy to be subtle. Like there's so many shots during the the remake portion of this movie where it's him standing in a window and he like takes up the entire fucking window Uh and it's like not, it's not subtle at all. And it also like makes it less scary because whenever you have those little flashes of things where you're like, Oh my God, I think I just saw him in the window. That's scary. But when it's like a guy taking up a whole window, you're like, I definitely saw him. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Unless they have a curtain that is a man. (laughs) Man curtain. Yeah. But you know, this also doesn't, really address something that again is also a flaw of Halloween 1 and 2 if you keep that continuity where it turns out that that you know Lori is his sister and stuff mm-hmm. um, so he goes to Haddonfield he starts stalking all the babysitters fixates on Lori obviously knows that's his sister yeah okay couple problems there for one how does he know that that is Angel his sister and also too it's extremely uncommon for a child to be readopted in the same town that she was born in. That pretty much never happens. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, th- I mean, he explains that, I guess. It was kind of kept off the books entirely. But how like did he- Michael find out? Exactly. That's that's a good question. How would Michael find out? Because even... He wouldn't Lo- recognize her. Yeah, even Loomis didn't know that that was the case. So Exactly, yeah. So, like, if, if the cop is the one that knows... Whatever, I get it. Yeah. But how the fuck does Michael know that that's his sister? There's no no way. Yeah, I think it's it's a problem in trying to in trying to incorporate the sisterhood from the original second to try to explain it. He was like, "Oh, we we answered that question, but they then didn't answer the question that created, which was, well, how would he know? Like, how would he know? Yeah. Yeah. So like." When she shows up on the porch with the mail, he obviously doesn't come out to kill her because it's the middle of the day and he wants to kill as many people as possible. But it seems like at that point, he's already suspicious of something when he sees her. Right? It seems like all it would have taken is like as he's escaping Smith's Grove, he grabs his case file, known living relatives, Lori right. Strode from Haddonfield, sure. and he's like, oh, that one. <laughs> yeah. Or if if um, if Loomis had said, oh, your sister was adopted or something. Like, if there had been some indication 
that would lead him to her. Because it, it is trying to incorporate the sister bit instead of just going with the randomness that the first had, where it was yeah. just like, which uh, I preferred. Like, that's one of the things I dislike about the original sequel is that, that suddenly she's his sister. I prefer the randomness. I prefer, as you said, him to be this just random killing machine. Fate, dude. Again, that yeah. goes back he to like how just nature, a force of nature. Yeah. Nature's scarier than nurture. Like yeah. there's that whole speech in the original about, yeah, fate. And it's just like, hey, this could happen anywhere. This is a totally right. normal, you know, middle class neighborhood. And Laurie Strode yep. and her friends just fucking get destroyed yep. by this lunatic. Like I yeah. love that, that about the original, that there's preferable. not a reason for mm -hmm. it. Yeah. I agree. And so, you know, in trying to incorporate the sister bit to try to explain why he's attacking this girl, yeah, you create more questions without actually adding anything to the the, the uh, tension. Like, just because we know it's his sister, like, how does he know? <laughs> right. Yeah. It doesn't really make a lot of sense, and that's a question that still remains unanswered of course i haven't seen the second halloween but i assume it's not addressed in that either right how he knows no not at all no hmm all right yeah there's no know. there's no explanation for it at all so it's it's almost like um like he's got some sort of sixth sense whenever she's nearby like i guess that's my sister i got don't my know. sister sense on yeah <laughs> i think the movie is is very long i mean yeah it's too long that being said it is two movies. It is a new, yeah. unheard of Michael Myers backstory plus a expedited remake of the original that kind of relies on the fact that you already know the original. Therefore, you attach with these characters and follow their shenanigans much better. Yeah. But mm, at least that extended one we watch is, is two hours long. And yeah, it, it's, it's it an hour long, 50. Man. The theatrical is an hour 50. So it's 10 minutes more, but. An hour fifty is still too long, right? It just seems, it just seems heavy to me. Like mm. where, especially too, like when when you get to the Halloween remake bits, and you're like, okay, this is following the original beat to beat. Like, I pretty well know what's going to happen here. I doubt I'm going to yeah. be surprised. And sure enough, you're really not surprised, yeah, other not. than the fact that you know, I guess Loomis gets his head crushed or whatever. That's about the only way that it really significantly deviates from the og yeah so, lewis doesn't die though oh he doesn't no yeah like he doesn't even die after getting his head crushed. like when oh. michael walks by he grabs his leg and michael just oh, keeps yeah. walking with him like dragging behind him that's right okay yeah. i forgot about that little bit in there yeah but, okay yeah. so then it does really beat by beat remake yeah. the original so yep. there's nothing mm -hmm. really surprising in it so for the except last... that she shoots him that's the yeah, only difference so. yeah. yeah but it it's not I mean, it's not a huge change. Well, the big twist, too, is that Loomis only shoots him three times. <laughs> as opposed to six times. That is a huge twist. Big difference. Big difference, yeah. I will tell you this, though. When he started shooting the gun, I was counting those motherfucking bullets because I was like, yeah, is it going to be yeah. six times? <laughs> I gotta know. I did really like, though, the her getting the gun... And her having to go through the empty chambers and then the surprise of the gun going off. Like, I liked how he, he did that. Yeah, me too. That was yeah. it. That, that, that added a bit to the suspense, but you still knew it was 
more than likely going to end with her killing him. Though that isn't entirely the case, just, you know, because there's a sequel. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. I think the soundtrack stuff in this was, was okay. There's a couple just, like, very obvious Rob Zombie, I love classic rock yeah. moments in there. Mm-hmm. Which, I don't, I don't know. You know, this movie, whenever it gets to the remake part, it's obviously not in 1978. It's in the 90s, judging by the cars and right. stuff like this. Uh, so that would mean that his childhood was taking place in the early 80s, I guess? Well, I think... Hmm. I mean, the fashion is very mid-2000s. Like, I think it's supposed to be 2007, so it would have been 92, probably. Okay, so why is his entire like childhood nothing but fucking classic rock soundtrack everywhere. and he's wearing like a vintage kiss t-shirt and stuff and it's like that's yeah. what he would wear if it was I fucking mean, 1974 but maybe they lived in knoxville and the best station to listen to was 103.5 wimz wimz yeah. might be that it might be yeah. that it's hard to say but you know because, it's like yeah that's that's one of the only explanations <laughs> yeah because i thought that considering he had basically what would you know equate to a 90s childhood it sure was a 70s childhood. <laughs> it sure was. It sure was. Just yeah. write what you know, man. Write what you know. Exactly. Yeah, it, that is it. It really is just like, well, this is a Rob Zombie soundtrack. Like, this is, I mean, it is best to refer to this as Rob Zombie's Halloween because it is that. It's aesthetically 100%. and like in every way, it's a Rob Zombie movie. Uh, so yeah, it, that's the only explanation. It really it doesn't make sense that seventies rock would be that big with these people who grew up in the nineties, right? Or growing up so in too. the two thousands. Yeah, <laughs> I bet they tried some test screenings where they had like Spice Girls and the Macarena on the soundtrack, <laughs> and they're like, it's just not selling. People Try Bob Seger instead. <laughs> Try Nazareth. See if that yeah. fits. They're rushing there. Let's see what happens. <laughs> I mean, there's thing about there's things about this movie that I like. There's a lot about this movie that I don't like. But as you said, it is unmistakably Rob Zombie. Like I, I think yeah. you could watch five seconds of any part of this movie and be like, this feels like a Rob Zombie right. movie. Mm-hmm. And you know, extra points for style for sure. Yeah, for sure. And and I like that. I like that. You know, when somebody is tasked with a remake, when it it is their thing, like we talked about with Evil Dead, like yeah, that that is very much a Fed Alvarez movie. It's it's so much his thing. It tries a lot to do too much with Sam Raimi. This maybe gets so far away from Carpenter that that's what people just couldn't connect with with it i mean but the movie made money so when i say people couldn't connect with it people did connect with it it just uh critically did poorly and most horror fans i know aren't big fans of it yeah same here man same here do you got any final thoughts about this thing or anything that we've missed steve Mm, uh anything we missed Eh, not really but final thoughts i got them final thoughts such as these um, when, when you have to remake a movie, you gotta hope for something different than the original at the very least. And, and this gave us that. That's nice. That's fair. That is fair. It is very much a Rob Zombie movie, which, you know, it's, it's good that he has established his own voice, his own aesthetic. And I, I, I do find myself enjoying a lot about his movies, though 
they're not the type of movie you throw on to have a fun time. No. I wish, honestly, the guy would get hired onto the set as, like, set dressing, wardrobe, Oh, aesthetic, sure, yeah, that'd like, be DOP amazing. stuff. Like, that would be a great combination to me. Yeah, yeah, Rob like, Zombie ima- Imagine him doing producer, all that for yeah. uh, Alexander Aja movie. Yeah, absolutely. That'd I can work. see that, for sure. I think, um, I think though, that, you know, looking at this movie in comparison to all the other Halloweens, not trying to compare it to the first, despite the fact they have the same story, I'm going to treat it like any time comic books decide to you know, revamp a character or whatever. This is just somebody coming along and giving you the, you know, alternate Earth 1031 version of, of uh, Michael Myers. Yeah. So if we just forget the first one, uh, forget that any of the others exist and look at this as a thing in itself. It's brutal. It's effective in, in talking about the development of this killer. It it is, I think, a pretty good rendering of, uh, you know, this innate psychopathy and also this terrible environment shaping this brutal force of a killer. So I, I like all that. I think that all works. Not a ton of likable characters in this no. whole world. I I like the I like our three main girls because they're they're you know teenagers just doing teenage stuff. There's you know we, necessarily nobody wants to hang out with teenagers, so they're annoying. That's the thing, yeah, dude. Yeah. Like I was catching myself during this, being like, are Lori and her friends more unlikable characters, or yeah. are they just average? Yeah, they're just mid two thousands teenagers, <laughs> and I'm a thirty year old guy, so I think they're fucking annoying. Yeah, yeah, they're just average teenagers. So they 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 fit that well. They do a good job, and which. You know, I don't. I don't have a problem with that. Uh, as long as, as long as the characters work in the environment, but the fact yeah. that everybody else is so aggressive and so fucking over the top, it's it's just a it's a strange world. It's an odd world to be a part of, and it's not fun to watch. So, you know, in rating this, uh, it's it's a remake. It's it's uh, it's got its own bits of creativity, but in a lot of ways, just following the same exact beats of the first one. Once we get into you know forty minutes into the movie, disjointed in some ways. Definitely, you know, again, forty minutes into the movie, we start a separate movie. That's yep. an issue. It would maybe have you know like worked better as a mini series, like three episodes. Hmm. Where, you Actually, know, yeah, that'd be okay. Yeah, it could work. But uh, judging it for what it is, uh, I, I think I I give this, you know, I gave Evil Dead like a four and a half approaching five. I think Evil Dead is better than this. But I think this is, in if I'm rating remakes, it's up there for me in maybe the top five of remakes of stuff from the, the 80s, yeah. 70s and 80s. It's okay. I'm going to say it's like a four. Yeah. I think that that's pretty fair. And I think that's also right where I stand. And I'll give it that four based on the fact that, again, I I do like the developed psychology of Michael Myers. The first time that I watched it, I was like, oh, they're just trying to make us feel sad for him because he had a shitty childhood. And now I watch it and I'm like, 
well, it's kind of, but he was also yeah. already, yeah, it's more complex. He was already fucked up just yeah. by the way that he was born. So I don't really get my past criticisms that I've said about this, where I said, this is a movie that's just trying to make you feel sorry for Mike Myers. Right. And then he spends the last hour 20 of the movie being a soulless killing machine. And it's like, you're not on his side right. like that. You're not like, oh, yeah. poor kid. He's got to kill all these people that didn't do him any harm. Like, <laughs> what? You know, like, it, that yeah. does, that's not how sympathy works. Yeah. Um, I do think that that narrative shift that we have, like I said, an hour 20 in, now we're following some other character and this guy's in the background. That only makes sense if you worship the original Halloween and if the yeah. original Halloween already exists. So it's kind of hard to like separate this objectively while also saying, yeah, but if not for the original, that you know narrative jump literally does not work No, or make any sense. Yeah, It relies so much on you knowing a movie. Yeah, like, exactly. Uh, you can't just walk into the box office and be like, I'll watch that and know exactly what's happening there. No. And, and like I said, it also doesn't do anything to build you sympathy for the character of Laurie Strode, who's this, you know, likable everyday girl that's suddenly being stalked by this, you know, ruthless killer. It doesn't do mm -hmm. anything to build that up either. So I don't know. Like the, the you know, the, the parts of this that weren't a direct to remake work in a lot of ways. Uh -huh. uh, the parts of this that are a direct remake don't really work in a lot of ways mm -hmm. to me. And overall, just the lack of, of fun, the way that I don't want to exist in this world. Like, whenever I watch the original Halloween, it's it's cool because it's just like, man, I can imagine myself in this neighborhood. It looks like every other neighborhood on the streets of the Midwest or wherever uh -huh. it's supposed to take place in Illinois. Right. Uh, but this movie is not a place that I want to go to to visit. Like, it's just so <laughs> full of hostile, vulgar, aggravating, just irritating characters. I'd say overall, the characters in this are just fucking irritating for the most part. And it makes it a taxing watch for me. Like, that's not yeah fun for me to watch. Yeah, know? I agree. So I think I'm right there with you. I'm going to say four overall for this. And it is definitely better than, like you said, a lot of the other big franchise reboots that we yeah. have. It's better than the new Elm Street. It's better yeah. than the new Friday the 13th, yeah. but it's still just not a place I want to go to. So nah. I think four is pretty fair. Well, Steve, that was fun to deep dive into old Bobby Zed's Halloween, but we're going to be talking about something else next week. That is after all these buses listening that have stuck around this long decide to go support the show over on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash dead and lovely. Head on over there. Woo. You become a patron on any level. You get access to the, the free, uh, uh, not the free, to the Patreon episodes that we post. <laughs> that are not free um uh, also if you become a five dollar patron you get to decide uh what type of movies we cover in the future you just drop a submission over there on the patreon page whenever i ask for them and once a month we draw one of those submissions randomly and we also just pick from those movies throughout the month as well so head on over there you can drive this car that's right. You damn Baby, well you can. you can drive my car. <laughs> Little Beatles reference there, huh? Mm -hmm. Oh, those old mop tops. You guys can also help us out by rating and reviewing on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast app you use that allows you to rate podcasts. Go on there, rate us, review us, all that kind of jazz. We do appreciate it, and it doesn't cost you 
Ascent. Also join up over on our Facebook group. We got a Discord hangout and stuff mm-hmm. that we do. We got all sorts of stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Twitter, Instagram at Dead Lovely Pod. Head anywhere. Just look in any direction. We're there. We're there. Wherever you go, wherever the red fern grows, we're there. Mm-hmm. At the end of the rainbow, we're That's there. Us. At the bottom of the waterfall, guess who's there? Boom. It's fucking us. Boom. And on next week's episode, we're going to be covering the Patreon submission that is... The Craft, submitted by Justin Marion. Oh my god, that one? Uh-huh, right? I know. What? I can't believe that. Who would submit that to the Smoking Bowl with their support of $5 a month on Patreon.com? Why, it, it was, of course, Justin Marion. Wow, I yeah. love that person for submitting that movie. Fill in the blank of what movie we're putting in here while you're editing the episode, right Steve. Be sure to put it in. <laughs> yeah, that's what she said. <laughs> be, she whispered, be sure to put it in. Yeah, be like, sure to. You, you, you're <laughs> Sometimes just on, you forget. You're just, you're going to town and she's just like, all right, you're doing great, but be sure to put it in. Ah, oh, dang it, I forgot all already. All right. Came all over the floor. Shit. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys be sure to tune in next week when we're going to be talking about that movie. Hope everybody is having a very safe and enjoyable Halloween. Staying indoors. Keeping them hands clean. Yeah, washing them hands and your ass. Mm-hmm. And just living your life like a bunch of fancy horses. <laughs> it's, just, it's the best thing we've ever done, honestly. I think it's probably the best. Yeah, that and those Rob Zombie scripts. Those, yep. are, those are really fucking good, too. Which Rob Zombie made, though. Yeah, Rob Zombie. We read those. We read them real good. Yeah, yeah. We mm-hmm. read them real good. He wrote them, but then we read them. So that's how that worked. <laughs> You guys be sure to get out there and fucking vote. Early voting starting already. Get out there, vote, make a fucking change. If you don't vote, you can't gloat. Get out there and hit them polls and be sure to tune in next week for another new installment of Dead and Lovely. I've been Uncle Ben. I've been Hollywood Steve. And we're Dead and Lovely. Catch you guys next time. Bye. So you know how we have that term that we use to refer to like next to no money as like, oh, it's chump change, right? Yeah. I think that we should invent a new term, meaning nearly $500 million negative, and we call it Trump change. (laughs) What do you think? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, I'm with it. It's it's Trump change. It's only Uh, negative 500 million. You know, it's it's Trump change. (laughs) You could still be president. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs>